Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Notice in John 10 and 1, it says, He, which is a person, who tries to come to the sheepfold another way, he, that person, is a thief and a robber. And then it goes to verse 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. So the thief found right here in verse 10 is the same thief that we find in verse 1. That thief is a person. Now, I know, I know, we've heard that many ministers say the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is not what Jesus is saying in this text. The devil can come. He can come steal, kill, and destroy. He can come to do that. But I thought I read in the Bible that he was already defeated. So how can he come and steal something from you when he's already defeated? So let, let me see if I can make some corrections here. He can only come steal, kill, and destroy when you allow him. See, first of all, you need to understand how powerful you are and how powerful the word of God is in you. And if you don't know that, then you will allow the devil to come in and steal your identity because you are allowing him to do something in your house that he don't even have the authority to do. The Bible in John chapter 10, verse 1 says, he, a person who comes another way, that person is a thief. And then John 10, God is not schizophrenic. He's talking about the same person in verse 1. He says, the thief, the same one who tries to come another way, that person is a person who will try to come steal, kill, and destroy. So while we might be looking for a demonic spirit to try to come steal, kill, and destroy, you might have somebody that's one of your friends that's already doing it. You may have a coworker that's already doing it. You may have somebody who who's in your family that's already trying to destroy you. Hello? So I'm just saying we got to make sure when we read the Bible that we keep the text in context. You need to know how powerful you are. The devil can't steal, kill, and destroy nothing in your life. Nothing. When he's already defeated. Now, if you're covered under the blood of Jesus, he's already given you power of attorney to use his name. So when he tries to come steal, kill, and destroy anything in your life, you have the power to say, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Oh, you're not too excited about that, huh? Well, if you're not excited about it, try to rebuke him in your name. And then when he strip you naked and have you running out of the house like the seven sons of Sceva <laughs> naked and screaming, then you know how powerful the name of Jesus is. Hello, somebody. No, no, notice, notice you never, you never, you notice how the world always used Jesus's name in vain? Why? Because there's no power in Buddha's name. You don't, you don't, you don't hear people say, oh, Muhammad, oh, Buddha. You don't ever hear that. Why? Because there's no power in those names. See, the world is always going to do its very best to marginalize the name of Jesus. And when you allow the world in you to be the world out there to overcome the spirit in you, then you are allowing the world to steal your true identity. 
That's what this series is all about today, saints of God. And I pray that it is a blessing. Now, let's go back uh, to Matthew's gospel, chapter 16. They asked him a question. Jesus came up to his disciples. He said, uh, who, who, do, who do people say that I am? Wh- what are people saying about me? Who, how do they identify me? Hello, somebody. And so, so they gave some answers. They said some said Elijah. Some said that prophet. You know, some said John the Baptist. John the Baptist is probably the dumbest thing they ever could have said because John the Baptist was baptized Jesus. So he couldn't be John the Baptist and Jesus all at the same time. So they were throwing out answers, which is the same way the world does when you tell them about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is a prophet. Is he really just a prophet? Well, Jesus was just, was he really just a man? Was he God? Did he really die? Was he really resurrected from the dead? Well, if you go to the tomb, there are no bones. Clearly by history, we can just remove the Bible. Clearly by history, we know by his, historically, he died on a cross. You don't need the Bible to know that. You can read Josephus on that, which was a Jewish historian. He died on a bloody cross. They put him in a tomb, and right now, the bones are not there. Why? Because he still has his bone. And they're still looking for him. They ain't going to ever find him. He's in heaven. There's only going to be one man in heaven with bones. That's Jesus. Because when we go up, we're going to go up as a spirit. And the reason I know he had bones is when he came back, he said, handle me, touch me, and see I'm just flesh and what? Bone. Because all of his blood was gone. His blood was shed for the whole world. The reason we get salvation is because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. For without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. And so he said, who do you say that I am? So since you're telling me who the world says I am, uh, who do you say that I am? How would you identify who I am? I've been walking around you. Who, who am I to you? Am I just a good person uh, going around doing good things? Who do you see me to be? Now, that is a very probing question because you would think automatically they knew who he was. But it was only one person who gave an answer, and Simon Peter, who normally gets it wrong, actually got something right this time. <laughs> Simon said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And man, something must have exploded in Jesus because he, he like, it's almost like it was a surprise to Jesus because he said, Simon Barjona, who told you that? How do you know I'm the son of God? Flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you but my Father which is, hev- which is in heaven. So what does that mean? You will not be able to identify who Jesus is really unless you're in the Spirit. That's why he said flesh and bone has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So the Father who is a Spirit will reveal to you who the Son is by the Spirit. This is why the Holy Spirit is so important. I know a lot of churches don't talk about the Holy Spirit anymore, and some churches trying to figure out what's the difference between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. They're the same. So, so when we start talking about by the Spirit, you must understand that Apostle Paul teaches that, that the, the, the world don't understand anything by the Spirit. For the natural man can't discern the things of the Spirit of God, nor can he know them. Why? Because they must be what? 
spiritually discerned. There are some things in the Bible that a person who is not saved, you will not be able to understand. There are some fundamentals about the gospel that people in the world won't be able to grasp. And you're trying to grope with them and plead with them. And some things they can't get because they don't have the spirit. Well, who do you say Jesus is? If someone came up to you and said, who is Jesus? What would you say? How would you respond if Jesus came to you and said, who am I? Who am I to you? Am I just a good man that went around doing good things? But did I really change your life? Let me tell you something. There was a man that changed me, and his name is Jesus. John Lofton could not ever change himself. It was Jesus who got me off of the bottle. It was Jesus who told me that he had a plan for my life. It was Jesus, that name that I called upon when I found out I had cancer. That was the name I called upon. So I understand Jesus not only as a savior, I understand him as a deliverer and I understand him as a healer. So that's who he is to me. So who is he to you? So when people come to you and they try to get you to explain about this God, uh, can you, can, is God really real? Can, can you prove God to me? Brother, I, I don't have to prove anything to you. What I can prove to you is what he did for me. Because that's why your testimony is so powerful, saints of God. No matter how many skeptics and atheists come up to you, nobody can take your testimony away. Nobody can, can come to you and say, no, it wasn't because of Jesus that you're not crazy right now. You don't understand what I had to go through. You don't understand when the telephone stopped ringing, when my family members stopped coming by. I was there by myself. I was crying myself to sleep every night, and I didn't know what to do. I thought I was losing my mind when I called on the name of Jesus, and I felt comfort, and I, I felt peace. And you don't understand. See, when you start talking about my king like that, then I have to get a little upset. Why? You, you, don't, you, don't, you weren't there when the night he found me. Hello, somebody. You got a testimony. You don't have to try to prove anything to anybody. Just talk about your testimony and how good God is. And maybe that right there will be enough to go, wow, really? He did that for you? Well, maybe he can do that for me. And he can. Can somebody say amen? amen. Glory to God. So who is he to you? Let me give you a scripture here. I thought this was powerful. God has revealed them, them. In verse 7, the them here is talking about hidden wisdom. This hidden wisdom can only be discerned by the Spirit. When you get into Apostle Paul, that's why it's really good to be at Bible study on Wednesday nights because we are doing a verse-by-verse, line-upon-line, precept-upon-precept study of the book of Ephesians, and we get into what the Spirit of God is and the mystery. So this hidden wisdom found in verse 7 is the them. He has revealed them, the hidden wisdom, to us through his Spirit. Again, things are discerned by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? So nobody knows you like you. That's what that verse is saying. You know you better than anybody. You know what things frustrate you. You know what things get on your last nerve. Come on, somebody. Everybody got a last nerve, too, by the way. I don't, can you, I don't think you can speak in tongues enough to get, get that, last, that last nerve out of your system. Everybody got a last nerve. You know you getting on my last You know that's it right there. You, you, you can mess with somebody, but when they say, you know what, you getting on my last nerve. You know you need to leave them alone. 
You say that to your children, they know, ooh, I better leave mom and dad alone now. That's their last nerve. Now, I don't know how many nerves we got. <laughs> I just know that last one, once you reach that. Okay, let's get back to this. <laughs> it says, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So you can't really know God unless you got the Spirit. You might know some things about God, and you might be able to say some things about God, but you can't really intimately know God unless it's by the Spirit. How can I say that? Because Apostle Paul just said it. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God. That Spirit which is from God is the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us connects with the Spirit of God, and God reveals to us who he is through his son, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Do I need to say that again? You got it? So that's how it works, guys. Our spirit is illuminated by the Spirit of God. God reveals to us who he is through Jesus Christ. So if you want to see what God looks like, you have to look at the face of Jesus. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And you know those things by the Spirit. So let me tell you a little bit about identity theft, uh, which is, uh, we had uh, about three or four people who say they have been victims of identity theft. They said, it has caused billions of dollars of damage to over 15 million consumers. That's a lot of people who have been victims of identity theft. Now, just like there are victims of identity theft, I talked a little bit about this earlier, what these demonic hackers want to do spiritually, they want to infiltrate your life, and they want to plant these little viruses in your life. Now, we've got a lot of IT people in here, and they have to keep me, keep me straight. I've been out of IT for a while. So the, the, the purpose of a virus is to get into a computer system, all right, you computer guys, help me out here, is to get into a computer system, and what it normally does, it replicates itself all over the system. It, it connects to all your drives, to all your data, to all of your hard drives, to all of your software inside that computer. And what it does, it keeps replicating itself so that it bogs down the system. There are other things that can be implanted in a system that these hackers do to get information from you. Now, Let's look at the demonic hackers. What these demonic hackers do, they infiltrate a person and they put a virus in you that will replicate things to tell you that you are less than. Uh-huh. That's what these viruses do that come in demonically. They will tell you you would never be anything. These viruses will tell you, you know, God can't use you. These viruses will tell you, you know, you better not start that business. The first one failed. It's a virus. The virus would tell you, you know, you can't be healed. You know that, right? The virus would do that, and it would replicate. How does it replicate? It pulls in other demons in, like depression and worry. So while you got one demon saying you'll never be anything, another demon said, you know you're depressed, right? Aren't you depressed? Just say it. Aren't you depressed? Don't you feel depressed? Come on, somebody. This, these are hackers. And what you have to do, just like you do on any computer system, you have to do what? You have to have what? Antivirus. The antivirus is the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. See, you got to have the Holy Ghost in you, which is the antivirus. The antivirus get, eats up the virus. 
it also detects, see, you got to know where the virus is first. Come on, man. See, you got to have the Holy Ghost so that the Holy Spirit can root out what the virus is in you or the sin. The virus is the sin. Let me say it like that. And you need the Spirit of God to root the sin out of your life because it can go dormant. It can hide in different places in you. You may be suffering from something you haven't suffered from it for a long time. Then one day you in church and all of a sudden that virus comes up. Why? Because it was hidden. It was hidden. And it was not exposed until you got saved. Why? Somebody say revelation. Revelation Revelation means it will reveal. See, a lot of times I know and I and and and, you know, I, I used to feel bad about this. I don't feel bad anymore. A lot of times people that I know and they know my life. I get around them, they say stuff like, you know, when you come around me, I just, I, I just, I just got to start acting right. <laughs> I, I used to go, why are you trying to, I used to do stuff like that. Now, I say, you know, you should. Well, well, what is going on there? Well, my spirit is detecting some viruses in them. Because it's revealed by the spirit. Come on, saints of God, let me, let me help you out here. If the world is always comfortable with you and there's nothing about your life that's convicting the world and you haven't even said a word yet, then there might be something wrong with your antivirus protection in your body and you need to be filled and refilled with the Holy Ghost. Because it should be something about our lifestyle that when people in the world get around us, they don't do all that cussing and lying and cheating and talking about different people. Why? Because you're not going to put up with it. Hello, am I getting through to anybody? No, you're not going to come and you're not going to come on my job and talk about uh, 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 Mexican people or you're going to talk about white people on my job. You're going to get rebuked. Because people are people to me and people should be people to you unless you are racist. And yes, we got to deal with racism in the church. Yeah, it's in the church. And we have to deal with it. We have to address it. And you got to be full of the Holy Ghost because the blood of Jesus should mar the color lines in the first place. Hello, somebody. Oh, oh see, you start talking about stuff like that. You know, you see how quiet it got. Mm-hmm. So the spirit in you should be convicting people. Don't be ashamed of that. You're trying to live right. You're trying to live holy. They're going to tell you don't. Everything in the world is trying to tell you not to live right. Everything in the world is trying to tell you, you know what? You should accept people who are morally bankrupt. Oh, no, I don't either. From, from, from politicians to presidents to preachers. Uh-uh. When you start talking about issues of morality, then there is a nonstop shop called the Word of God. And the Word calls something wrong, wrong. And call something right, right. That's why Isaiah said there's coming a day when people will call good evil and evil good. You know, it's evil now to live right. It, 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 that's an evil thing. Oh, you go to church? Why are you going to church? What do you mean you, y'all fasting? Wait, wait, watch when you tell somebody you fast. What you fasting for? Why you fast? Why you, you, you why y'all church got you fasting? I ain't joining no church got me fasting. I, I love to eat what I want to eat. Well, you can do that because you can sin like you want to sin too. Not a problem, because they don't understand consecration. 
They don't understand holiness and righteousness, nor can they understand it, saints, is what I'm saying. They got to have the spirit if they want to go deeper. If you want to go deeper with God in 2017, you're going to have to be full of the spirit. Now, I'm not talking about speaking in tongues and running around the church, saints of God. That, that, that's just a byproduct of it. If you want to run around the church, that's totally, totally up to you. If you want to speak in tongues, that's totally up to you. But that, that is not a representative of how deep you are with God. How deep you are with God is not even seen in the public. How deep you are with God is a private thing. See, we should be secretly holy and privately devout. You shouldn't have to ever worry about your pastor doing something behind closed doors because I'm trying to be secretly holy when you're not looking so that I can be holy when you are. So let's keep on going here. Come on, write this down for me. The best way the enemy can steal your identity is by convincing you to be something you're not. Now, you can take a picture of that, put it out on Facebook, because you might have some friends and family members who are trying to be something that they're not. Let me say this with a bold stand. God is the only one that can tell you who you are. He made you and he created you with a divine destiny, saints of God. And in order to tap into your destiny, you're going to have to tap seriously into God. Now, some of us have allowed different relationships, people in your past. It could have been a family member, a stepdad, an uncle, or a drunk auntie, somebody who gave some negative words in your life, and you've always lived your life based on that negativity. That means that, that you have allowed them to steal your true identity. That's not who you are. Listen, there's a whole community out there, the LBGTQ community, these people have lost their true identity. Now, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a scared or afraid to talk about these issues. But there are some lying, cheating fornicators out there have allowed their lifestyle to steal their identities too. So if we're going to talk about sin, let's have a wholesome, balanced conversation about sin. I'm not going to throw one group of people under the bus without talking about sin as a whole. I think that's where the church have missed it. If we're going to deal with sin, we've got to deal with all sin. God sees all sin as sin. If you're a line joker, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. That's what the Bible says. You're a sinner. You're a fornicator. A lot of people don't know what the word means. It means you're having sex outside of marriage. If you're not married, you need to leave each other alone. If you're shacking, you need to move out from one another. That's how we preach it in this church because that's how the Bible says it. All right, I'm going to stand flat-footed on that. I'm not going to change where pastor, you know, times have changed. The Bible didn't. Amen. <laughs> fornication is still fornication. It's still sin, guys. Right, right, right? And, and no, it's not fornication unless your pastor do it. <laughs> That's when it's real then, right? Because you hold your pastor up on a pedestal, and you want your pastor to walk in something you ain't really walking in. Oh, yeah, you came in the right place today. Yeah, you came to the right place today. See, listen, listen. Don't let the enemy convince you to be something that you're not. Don't be posing. If you ain't all that spiritual, don't act like you're all that spiritual. You know people in the world can see right through your stuff. If you're not really living for the Lord, come on, guys. I, I, look, I was in the world for a long time before for the Lord. He had to. See, some of y'all, you guys were right there on the surface, and it wasn't much for God to just grab you up. But I, he had to dig down so deep for me. It took a while. 
So he had to go way down and pull me up. Yeah, what's the song? Come on, sing it, baby. Had to reach way down. See, I had to add something to that. He had to reach way, way down, right, to pull me up out of my sin because I was so deeply riddled in sin and the alcohol and all of the stuff that had me bound, right? And I was convinced. I'm telling you, and then the brothers might be able to relate. See, what the brothers that say? Yeah. yeah. See, I was convinced I was the man. <laughs> come on, come on now. I got some other brothers going to be real with me in here. All right, don't be all holy on me now. Get that old holy stuff out. I wouldn't you want to be real. I was convinced I'm the man. I am the If you don't know what I'm going to tell you, I'm the man. Right? And, and listen, let me go on because my wife knows my past. I was the man. Right, look, any woman roll up on me, I got you. You mind. I was convinced in my brain that I was the man. You know what I was doing? I was posing. I was pretending. There you go, girlfriend. I was pretending because when I got home and I was all alone, I cried because there was nothing on the inside. And no man is going to tell you that after all of all the escapades and all of the women, when they get by themselves, they don't even know who they are and they weep and they'll never tell a woman that they're weeping. See, that's the true essence of a man right there. I'm being honest right now. I'm just giving y'all some stuff and they might kick me out of the club. <laughs> so I might have to give up my car, man. That was, <laughs> kick me out of the men club, man. <laughs> you know, because I'm telling on us, right? Because a man, a man, we, we, we have feelings, right? And a man is hard. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling on us. But it's hard for a man to express sometimes their feelings, right? And, and, and see, we would get angry. And, and, and the woman would say, what's wrong with you? You say, I'm angry. You know, no, you're not really angry. You, you really hurt. But we, we're not going to tell a woman, well, baby, I'm hurt. You hurt me when you said that. That, 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 ain't, <laughs> that ain't coming out, is it, bro? You ain't going to just walk up and say, baby, you know, that just really hurt me. Uh-uh. You're going to say, oh, baby, I'm mad about that thing. Right? 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 Come on, guys. Am I, am I, am I talking some good stuff in here? Y'all don't act like it, man. Y'all ain't giving me no good amens. <laughs> Trying to help the ladies out, right? Because <laughs> we're trying to express it. Well, what we're doing, we're posing. And we're allowing the enemy to convince us that we're something that we're not. How can we prevent the enemy from stealing our identities? Let's get right. I only have three things, and then we, we're going to pray and go home. How can we prevent the enemy from stealing our identities today. Check this one out. First of all, we need to appropriate your true identity. Identify who God made you to be. Let's turn in the book of, of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to read something here for you. So let's go into the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's go to verse 38. Anybody learning anything so far? Okay, praise God then this is the right series for the right time for the right people that's doing the right thing. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38. That's where we're going to read 38 and 39. Chapter 17, verse 38 says this. So Saul, this is King Saul, he clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head and also clothed him with a coat of mail, um, which is a, a covering. Verse 39, David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. 
And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. See, before you really can understand who you are, you first must identify who you are not. So that's what I want to get into a little bit. So I, I really, I want us to make this personal at the end of this. But before that, I just want to, I, I wrote down just a few things so I can tell you what you're not. Are you ready to hear these things? First of all, you need to understand you're not a mistake. You must understand that you are not an accident. You are not worthless. You are not useless. You are not ignorant. You are not a failure. That the enemy will use to try to convince you of who you are to keep you from who you're not. Because if you gravitate to those words, you will become what the enemy says. And you will forfeit what God says you are. Hello, somebody. Now, these words don't mean anything when they come from other people, more so than what they mean when they come from yourself. If you are speaking these words to yourself, you are identifying with what the enemy wants you to be. When you take the words that somebody has spoken to you and you begin to speak those same words to yourself, you are missing out on God's best. Now, let me do an assessment here. And you got to be honest. How many of you in this room have looked in the mirror and you've made some negative statements about yourself? And I got my hand raised already. See that? You see that? I, somebody can say something negative to you and it hurts. I don't believe that old adage that says sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me. That is the biggest lie. I have ever heard. Just, just hit me with a stick. At least my wounds are healed on the outside. But when you cut me with your words, man, that gets down in my spirit, right? And sometimes you, it takes years to get some of that stuff out of your spirit. But that's not as detrimental when you speak those words to yourself, saints of God. Can I help somebody today? You got to stop speaking that negativity to yourself. You're going to have, ladies, I got a lot of single women in here and I got married women. There are a lot of married women look in the mirror and don't see beauty. Hello. You, you married women, and here's one of the detriments of married women, I believe, because married women, they live their lives through their children, their husband, and work, and the house, and everything that they're doing, and bills, and budgeting, and, and soccer, and, 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 and cheerleading, and all that other stuff. And so a married woman, will, and even a single woman, will begin to identify with stuff. And you will lose who you are in God. Am I, am I talking some good stuff in here today? Amen. And you can't live your lives vicariously through your children or your husband Amen. or your wife. You got to have your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And at some point, yes, you got to do all of those things and it makes you busy and you got so much stuff going on. But at some point, you're going to have to encourage yourself Amen. in the Lord. 
even if it's for two minutes and you just got to pull away and say, God, I believe that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I believe that you have a destiny for me. I believe that you have a plan for my life. I don't care what, how many things I have failed at. Those things don't define me. Come on, somebody. You kind of had to get motivated about this thing about your life. I can't help you through this. You got to help yourself. Don't let the enemy steal your identity. Sometimes you can't put stuff on that other people are trying to put on you. David said, I can't wear this. What is, I, I don't understand this. I can't prove this. This is, this is not from God. Let me tell you something, saints of God. There are some things that people will try to put on you that are not from God. And they're trying to make you identify with how they see you. But you're going to have to identify how God sees you. Boy, that's good preaching. I'm encouraging myself in the Lord because I got words inside of me that I got to root out of my garden. Words that said I'll never be anybody. I was the worst child of my parents. My mama told y'all that when she came. I ain't, I ain't want mama to, you know, your mama tell on you. And mama just talked too much that day. Mama, if you listen to this, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so, so listen, the enemy will try to get you to usurp your true identity and try to cause you to appropriate a counterfeit self. Oh, that's deep. Somebody said that's deep. Okay, so, so, so listen, here's the deal. What the world has called you does not fit. See, see David, David actually put it on. See, there are some words we've put on. There are some attitudes that we've put on. There are some things we've put on, but David didn't keep it on. Come on, somebody. See, even though you might try it, it ain't for you. So David said, this does not fit. So, so there are some things that the world is trying to tell you to put on. You have to continuously say, oh, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit. What somebody said to you in a bad relationship, that doesn't fit. What an ex-husband or ex-wife said to you all of those many years ago, that doesn't fit. Depression, that doesn't fit. Worry, that doesn't fit. Sickness, that doesn't fit. Confusion, that doesn't fit. So, so if there's something that doesn't fit, you have to take it off. See, some of these things, they're saying, well, God, if you can just take it away, God said, no, you put it away. Let me say that one more time. There are some things that people are praying to God to take away, and God says, no, you put it away. Let me, let me give you some word. Can I give you some word on it? Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. God is not going to take away what we should be putting away. And there are some things in our lives we need to be putting away because God is not going to take it. Thank you, bald head preacher. Write this down. You do not need the tools of man to do the work of God. Saul was trying to put the tools of man on David so that David can defeat a foe. But David had already been appropriated by God. David already knew who he was when he was on the back 40 all alone when a lion and a bear came to attack the sheep. 
And David killed the lion and the bear when nobody was looking. So when David was before the public, when he saw a giant, when all of the army was scared and running in fear, David saw something. He said, who is that uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine? So, so let, me, let me tell you something. In private, if God has shown you how to defeat your enemies, when you get in public, you have no problem addressing your enemies. Amen. Amen. See, see, these men in the army, they, they privately, they didn't know how to defeat enemies, so they were scared. But David understood who he was. He identified with who he was when he was all alone with God. Nobody else was around. He wasn't fronting. He wasn't posing. He wasn't trying to be something that he was not because there was nobody else around to impress but God. Let me tell you something. God can put you in a place where can't nobody be impressed but God. He will take people out of your life. He will remove jobs out of your life. He remove family members out of your life so he can get you all alone so you can impress Nobody but God. So when you get out of that private time, publicly you will be powerful. Whoa! Well, I'm fired up on this thing. So David said, no, that don't fit. You can't appropriate who you are when somebody else trying to put their stuff on you. And you got people, listen, let me, let me help you out. You got people, as soon as you share a vision or a dream with somebody, this is how you know true friends. Let me, can I help somebody? And this is even in the church. Trust me, I've been through this before. When, when you, you just share with somebody your vision. This is what the Lord wants me to do. What? You can't do that. You don't fit. No, 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 no. That's what you tell them. Are you here? Are you hearing me? You share your dream. They say, you can't do that. You say to them, you don't fit. You share your dream. Oh, my God, that's an awesome dream. You fit. You fit. Now, we can do something because we're together on this thing because I don't need somebody that's trying to drag me back in my past. I need somebody that's going to help me grab my future. Hello, somebody. And some of you sitting right here in this church right now, you got some people, every time you get around them, they're dragging you back. And I don't know why you haven't just loosed them from your life because God is not going to take them away because you should be putting them away. Amen. See, I'm trying to help you get your future. I'm trying to help you do the dreams that God has given you. You put those dreams on the shelf and that book and those songs and all that ministry and that business on the shelf. And you need to be in a church that's going to help you get to your next level. And you can't do it if you let the enemy steal your identity. Because when he steals your identity, he steals your dreams and your visions and everything that God has for you. It goes dormant. And God will have to use another person to do what he wanted you to do. Kind of quiet in this Presbyterian church. That's all right. I'm going to keep on preaching. You ready for another one? So don't, don't, don't. You got to appropriate your true identity. Then you got to accept your true identity. You got to believe in who God made you to be, saints of God. If you don't believe in yourself, how are you going to convince other people to believe in you? Hello? So you got to accept who you are in the Lord. Can I give you some more Bible? Okay, let me give you some more Bible. Let's turn 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, turn right. 2 Samuel chapter 4, real quickly here. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. See, you, you got to believe in who God made you to be. If you don't believe God has called you to do greater things, 
it's easy for you to allow somebody else to convince you that you can't do it. It won't take much convincing at all if you already say you can't do it. So there are some things, last Sunday I was preaching on, there are some things that we should be removing from our vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And you might want to go and listen to that podcast because there are some words that we need to be removing from our vocabulary in 2017. And the biggest two words is I can't. You need to get, remove that out of your vocabulary for 2017 because you can. You can start that class. You can start that business. You can start that ministry. You can get promoted. You can get a master's degree. The moment you say, I can't, you hear it, and you've convinced yourself that you cannot. Amen? So let's go to the Bible, because I love the word. So let's go to the Bible here, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, because Saul uh, had died and Jonathan had died. That was the news that came from Jezreel. His nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth was supposed to take over the throne when Saul, who was the king, died. Jonathan was the king's son, so Jonathan was the prince. He died. The next person in line to be the king of Israel was Mephibosheth. This was the baby boy that the nurse, when the nurse heard that Saul and Jonathan had died, the nurse was trying to protect the child because it was customary during that time that when a new king took over, he killed all of the family members. No one was left in the lineage. So this nurse, thinking that she was doing something right, by protecting the life of Mephibosheth because David was going to be the new king. She was trying to protect Mephibosheth. She ran out of the house. She slipped and dropped him and fell on his feet, and he became lame. You know, there, there are some people in this room that have been dropped by people. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you've been dropped. You've been dropped. Somebody that you thought would always be right there with you, but they dropped you. And when they drop you, you became lame. And you walk with a limp because that thing has always hurt you. And now you define who you are based on that limp. Because some, see, y'all, see, see, this, this is why some relationships are so detrimental to people. Because a woman, a woman, and, and this is a woman, I'm just saying, a woman, atypical. I'm just using this as an example. I'm not generalizing, but I'm just saying, just stay with me. A woman, she can be in a bad relationship with a man. This man tore her down emotionally. She went through it for years, and she finally got out of it. And she meets a man who wants to do good things for her, but she don't even know how to treat a good man because she don't even know how to get out of that past emotional damage. And so she's walking lame. She's damaged and don't understand how to be delivered. This is Mephibosheth. Let's go to 2 Samuel 9. Let's read the rest of Mephibosheth and who he was. It says, now David said, is there anyone 
who was left in the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness for Jonathan's sake. So David wants to show kindness to Mephibosheth. He wants to bring Mephibosheth to the palace. Mephibosheth has been dropped and damaged. The king says, I know he has been dropped and he's damaged, but I'm the king and I want to bring him, damaged and all, to the palace. That's a metaphor for you right there. All right, I'm going to keep on reading since y'all are not getting it yet. So, so let me paraphrase. David sends out Ziba to find Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth was found in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar means place of parched pastors. It's called a dry place. Let me tell you something. When you've been dropped by people and people have damaged you, you will find yourself in a dry place. So the king said, go fetch him. That's what the Bible said. That sounds like an Alabama term, doesn't it? The Bible says, go fetch him and bring him. So Ziba went and found Mephibosheth, damaged and all, and brought him to the palace. And Mephibosheth, if you go to verse number uh, is it seven, let me see what verse it is. Verse eight, Mephibosheth called himself a dog. Verse 8. So look at that. Then he bowed himself. This is Mephibosheth and said, verse 8, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog? You see the words that Mephibosheth said to himself? Why? Because he had been dropped. And he was living his life based on what somebody else did to damage him. There are people in this room right now, you've been damaged. People have dropped you. They've said things. They've hurt you. You can't live your life based on that drop. Otherwise, you're going to always find yourself in a dry place. Mephibosheth didn't even call himself a dog. He said, I'm a dead dog. You are who you say you are. But guess what the king did? The king brought Mephibosheth to the palace, and he said, from now on, Mephibosheth, you're going to eat at my table. He told him, don't be afraid. It's okay. I'm telling somebody in this room, don't be afraid. It's okay if you've been dropped, but the king is calling you. I said, it's okay. The king is calling you. Check this out. Don't allow your damage to keep you from your deliverance. See, Mephibosheth, here's the deal. Now, here's something. I'm, ooh, boy, I'm going to share something with you that's enlightening. It's going to be a revelation. Check this out. Mephibosheth ate at the king's table. And if you were to look at Mephibosheth from the king's table up, everything about Mephibosheth was good. You would look at him and go, man, that guy hasn't been through anything. Man, that guy just looks so good. Look, look how happy they are. Look how much joy they have. Look at the smile on his face. He don't allow people to get under his skin. That's at the top. But if you were to look under the table, you will see his little crippled feet. So Mephibosheth, he was delivered, but he was still damaged. But he didn't allow his damage to steal his deliverance. Can somebody, do you know what I'm talking about here today? 
Mephibosheth is the only man I've read in the Bible that came to the king but didn't get healed. He still had crippled feet at the end of the story. I want to tell somebody, you might have crippled feet, but don't define your life by your little crippled feet. You know what that crippled feet is? It might be a word that somebody said to you. It might be some emotional damage that, that somebody said to you. It might be something your mama did. It might be something your daddy did. It might be something a pastor did. It doesn't matter what it is that caused the damage. Don't allow that damage to steal your deliverance. Are you here with me today? Let me get your last one so you can go home. Appropriate your true identity. Identify who God made you to be. Accept your true identity and believe in who God made you to be. But then you got to appreciate your true identity. Value who God made you to be. You got to appreciate who God made you to be. Let me tell you who you are. Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, he says that you are a masterpiece. You know, do you really understand what that is? When he says that you are a masterpiece, so let's make it personal. Put your hand on your heart and say, I am a masterpiece. You, that means that you are a designer's original. There is not another one like you. Come on, man. Isn't that awesome? That is not a, from your genesis to your revelation, there will never be another one like you. You are awesome. You are bad. Amen. You, you, you are forced to be reckoned with. That's, those are the words you got to say to yourself. When you look in the mirror and you say, you know what? God has a plan for my life because I'm a masterpiece. I'm a designer's original. You might not even feel like a designer's original. But listen, try to view yourself the way God sees you. See, God looked down. and see, God is, the, let me tell you something how good he is as, a, as, as the lover of your soul. See, you can wake up in the morning and you can have a sweet conversation with God and he don't tell you how funky your breath is. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. I think that's a pretty good relationship. Amen? Amen. You can just talk, and he just comes down. He just loves on you, give you words. Never once does he say, ooh, you know what? Um, you, you might need to go ahead and take care of that. Man, that's a real lover, right? See, he's a lover. So, see, men, men, we got to understand that we can have that kind of love affair with Jesus as we have with our spouses. That's what he requires, right? And it's hard. Let me tell you this. It's hard for you to understand that in the natural. In the natural, it sounds weird. Wait a minute, Jesus is a man. Well, how, how I want this relationship with this man? He's not just some any man. Jesus is God. And that man is the man who can deliver you from any man. Amen? So he's not just some man. To try to look at things in the natural, you see him as just a man. But when you see him from the spirit, you see him as a savior. When you see him from the spirit, you see him as a deliverer. When you see him from the spirit, you see him as a healer. Hello, somebody. Is this making sense at all? Why? Because you have to discern that by the spirit. But you're going to have to appreciate who God made you to be. You know what? Your body size, you know God had to have one like you. Amen. If, if you want to eat right and, and change your body size and, you know, you want a different type of body and all that good stuff, just love the body you got. Amen. Be big sexy. <laughs> Hello? 
Listen, there, there was a time, I hope my wife is okay with this. There was a time, a lot of you guys knew this, my wife was a little heavier than what she was, right, than what she is right now. But I told my wife, I don't care how heavy you are. I love you the way you are. Come on. Why? I didn't want her to think that somehow I loved her less because she picked up weight. Right? I love her. See, this, this is what an, in, somebody say intimacy. This is what intimacy is, into me, see? Into me, see? I want her to see into me, and I see into her, therefore is into me, see? And we know each other. See, we got the same rhythm. When I say tit, she say tat. Come on, somebody. Hello, we got the same rhythm and we flow because the way we teach it in our couples class is that your love must be fluid. It must be liquid love. Hello, somebody, because when you pour liquid in a round glass, the liquid becomes what the glass. Come on, somebody. And so what we do, we conform to each other. Oh, come on, man. And we, we flow with one another because we have liquid love. And I said, look, girl, shoot. Hmm. She'll tell you, I don't care how much you pick up. You still mine. You ain't nobody else's but mine. Amen. And look, I'm telling you you're beautiful because ain't nobody, nobody out there going to be able to tell, give her more compliments than me. It's my job to affirm her. I don't expect Aaron one of y'all to affirm my wife. That's my job. It is your job, husband, to affirm your wife. If you're not affirming her, trust me when I say this and stop all your posing. You ain't all that. Somebody will affirm that woman. And if you think I'm lying, try it. And when she comes home and start ignoring you behind and start dressing differently to go to work. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm saying too much right now. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh, baby, I got to work late tonight. <laughs> I ain't lying. You better appreciate her. And listen, one of, the th one of the biggest things I need in my life as it relates to the love languages is what? Affirmation. She knows I need to be affirmed by my wife. I have to be affirmed because other women will affirm me. I'm telling you right now, that's how they do Oh, you just, ooh, you're, just a, you're just the nicest pastor. You're just, the, you're just the sweetest thing. You're just the nicest thing since sliced bread. You better get up out of my face with all that. No, you don't, I don't need all that from you. I got that at the house. Hello? And if you ain't kicking it at the house, you need, to, you need to break down and fast until you can kick it again. You need to do something so that you can reconnect and get God back in your house. And get counseling if you have to. But you, look, look, this is my marriage. I'm responsible for my marriage. Amen. And if I give her back to God worse than what God gave her to me, God is going to get me. I'm supposed to give her back to God better, smarter, brighter, more intimate with Jesus Christ. Because you shouldn't get with a man unless that man can take you to the next level. And now you looked up, you hooked up with somebody that can't take you to your next level. You hooked up with the wrong one. That's right. And stop making excuses for that joker. Yes, Living at home with mama. Don't have nothing. 
Ain't nothing but, I heard this, ain't nothing but breath and britches. Don't have nothing to bring to the relationship. But all of a sudden, oh, I love him. What does he have for you? Can he take you to the next level? Do he go to church? Does he have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Ask that rascal what was the most rememberable time he's ever had with the Holy Ghost, and you'll find out if he really knows God. Y'all got me all turned up up in here. <laughs> Y'all know, you know what I'm saying? Why? Because this little cute little female has allowed this guy to steal her identity. Don't have nothing to bring to the relationship. But all of a sudden, oh, oh, I just, oh, I just, I just love him. What do you love about him? Oh, he, he's just good to me. Listen, listen. Can he pay bills? No. Does he even have a bill? <laughs> Wait a minute. Does he have good credit? Let me tell you something, ladies. You better know. You better find somebody with some credit. What's your, what's your, what's your credit score? Uh, 360. Oh, no, baby. 360. You know what you need to say, ladies? Oh, that don't fit. Deuces. Next. That don't fit. That don't fit. I'm sorry. You got your own place. No, I'm living with my mama. Don't fit. Don't fit. Don't fit. You know what? Do you have your own car? You know, I've been borrowing my brother's car. Don't fit. Do you have a job? You know, I've been trying to find a job. No, don't fit. Do you have some benefits? You got some benefits? You know, I got, I got two little babies. Do you have benefits? No, 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 you want me, but I come as a package deal. You want me, you take my babies too. And guess what? When you get married, there is no step. If it's a step, don't get married. Those children are yours. I'll leave that woman alone. If you can't take all of her, don't take none of her. Well, I'm preaching better than y'all letting on right now. I guarantee you that. This is the kind of preaching get me in trouble. It might be tight, but it's right. Y'all know it's right. Amen. 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 Now, how y'all got me on course like that? <laughs> you got to appropriate your true identity, accept your true identity, and appreciate your true identity. If, if there's nothing else you take from this, I want you to appreciate who you are in God. Listen, saints, I understand better than a lot of people. You might not be where you thought you should be at the age you are right now. I just turned 51 years old. I know I look good. I turned 51 years old. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I know I look. I don't need you to tell me I look. I know I look good for 51. <laughs> Affirm myself in the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> you don't believe me? My wife. My wife said I look good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so listen. So I know better than anybody that, that there are certain things that we need to do to make sure that we can appreciate who we are, right? And I want you to learn how to bring some appreciation to yourself. Appreciate yourself. Listen, you might say, well, you know what? I've gained a little weight, but I appreciate, God, how you made me to be. And then you set some goals. 
Make sure your goals are attainable. Don't say, look, I'm going to lose 50 pounds next week. You ain't going to lose no 50 pounds. <laughs> you ain't going to do it. Make sure that the goals are achievable. Do this. I'm going to lose one pound a week. I'm going to lose one pound a week. Amen. And the way I'm going to do it, I'm going to kick those hamburgers back, all that pork and all that dairy that we shouldn't be eating all the time anyway, and you, you're going you're gonna to do better about raw vegetables and drink more water and things. That, you know what? You can lose a pound a week just doing that. And do that at the sodas, all that sweet tea. And I'm, I, look, I love sweet tea. Jesus, I do. I had to push that sweet tea back, especially on this fast, man. I have a, I have a sweet tea fetish. About the fourth day, I'd be like, I'll be jonesing. What's wrong? Man, I want some sweet tea. Man, you got that sweet tea? <laughs> Antonio said, yeah, bro, I'll be jonesing too. <laughs> so I, I understand all of that. But set some attainable goals. Listen, when we go into this fast, I want you to start a journal. If maybe you've never journaled before. And all a journal is, you just write. What am I supposed to write? Write whatever's on your heart. That's all it is. But here's what I need you to do. When you buy your journal, you can go anywhere and buy a journal. You can go to Walmart and get a composition notebook. They ain't before a dollar fifty. Fifty cent. You can go fifty cent. Fifty cent, get a composition notebook. I got like eight or nine of those rascals full of stuff. Right? So so get you something to write in. Here's what I need you to write, because the fast starts tomorrow. What do you need from God? Write it. I don't care how many things it is. What do you need from God? God, I need this from you in 2017. God, I need this from you in 2000. I need this from you. God, I want a closer relationship with you. God, I want to be closer to my spouse. I don't even know where to start, but I, I just need you to help me. Help, help me to see me. If there's anything I'm doing wrong, God, reveal it to me. God, I want to be closer to my children. God, I want to be, I want to be closer, God, to, to my family members. God, I, I want to I be promoted on my job. Or, God, I want to start a new business. I want to start a new ministry. God, I want to write that book. I don't even know where to start. God, I need you to help me get started. I, I, God, I'm getting ready to finish high school. God, I need you to help me determine what college you want me to go to. What should I major in? What woman do you want me to date? See, if you don't ask God, he won't tell you. Single women, have you asked God to show you the man that's for you? Or are you just trying to find the man you think is for you? And see, and what you'll do is, what will happen is, you'll forfeit God's best for the devil's worst. And you'll end up with a bozo when God already had your Boaz. Amen? Is this making sense? Don't let the enemy steal your identity. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821. 7368 Covenant Community Church where the truth is revealed.